You are tuned in to Wrestling with Wednesdays, presented by the 1334 Show. It's Wednesday. I've wrestled through enough of it. (laughs) And then I had to wrestle through watching a show to do this show. And I think I'm about to tap out. Fortunately, I'm here to keep things moving because I had an energy drink and I'm making it through. <laughs> I'm starting to think you might be the main host of our Wednesday show. You just, you're so much more upbeat than I am. But I don't think anyone's more upbeat than Mauro Ronaldo. I just want to say now because we had, we watched both shows separately. We had NXT on before. And we watched the replay of AEW that I know and I respect and I understand everything you say about the commentary team of AEW, but those three hold nothing to what Mauro Ronaldo does on Wednesdays. Yeah, I mean, he comes up with a lot of good one-liners, but it's maybe a little forced, but, you know, you have to sort of keep listening to see what he's going to say next, where I don't feel the same way about the Jim Ross and Tony Schiavone commentary. I mean, it's good. Tony's playing sort of the role of the Wikipedia. Uh, I'm not even going to mention Excalibur. He's not worth mentioning. He is, they need he to is get hard rid- to listen to. They need to get rid of him. It needs to be a two-man booth over there. I mean, if you have Tony Schiavone and Jim Ross, there's no reason for an Excalibur other than to talk about all these people that Jim Ross is embarrassed to mention. So So I'm going to make this quick and sweet. Uh, Last week was episode one. It was the debut of AEW Dynamite. This is week two. We're seeing if the momentum can keep going. And as I watched, I watched both shows, and instead of having uh, both shows side by side, we decided to give individual attention to each and uh, I have to agree with you on AEW looks fantastic and that brightness does play a big factor but again what are you more entertained with what keeps your attention more what's what do you think is better overall we'll get into that you know I will say without giving things away I think I got a clearer comparison not watching them at the same time because my eyes are drawn to the flashing lights the brightness the explosions and all the things going on over at AEW where NXT is you know dark in the ring but without having them on side by side and watching them independently and actually paying attention more to the matches and not where my the flashes are happening yeah it gave me sort of a different viewpoint and you know hearing the announced team separately instead of trying to see just where my ears are drawn to yeah I just don't know if the, the shine was off because it's not the brand new car anymore the new car smells gone and so <laughs> AEW doesn't have the same smell and, and before, we, <laughs> before we dive into the matches I mean yeah. you and I on air you could you could hear me 
get frustrated with you because I'm I'm sitting here and I I've known you for a very long time and we are very similar with how we watch our wrestling and view our wrestling and appreciate our wrestling that I'm listening to you and you are becoming one of the internet marks. And I was like, wait, 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 wait. Just just hear me out. It's a new toy. I totally get it. But there's no way you're going to... And you were so discrediting. And I think you needed to see the, the, the separate entities and give it undivided attention. Because I think you see pros on each side. You see cons on each side. But you start figuring out the lay of the land a little bit. Right. So we're going to go right in. They started off each show with strong in a certain style. So they had a title on NXT. So NXT, they had the, the match of Leo Rush versus Drew Gulak. The Leo Rush who I forgot existed, I might add, because every time I hear him... Lashley, Lashley, Lashley. And you read me like a book <laughs> because that all I could hear was that. And the almighty Bobby Lashley. And I just see this little 12-year-old boy running around. Uh, but him versus Drew Gulak for the Cruiserweight title. And I'm guessing they're getting rid of 205 Live? Yeah, sort of like a fuck you to 205 Live. Because like, that should be their highlight if it's even on the network. I don't know. Well, that match... The notes I got from that match is that it was very solid. And that was probably one of the first times I've seen a Leo Rush match where I was hooked because he was telling a story. Leo was lit. Oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah, I have Morrow notes here. How do you spell Leo? L-I-T. <laughs> and then at the end of the match, he references Meek Mills which and starts like verbally rapping the lyrics to Dreams and Nightmares. And Morrow is a treasure, okay? I love it. Uh, he's a treasure that maybe should be buried at the bottom of the ocean, but we'll see. But, uh, you know, I will say there were parts of the match where the crowd was subdued. Like, it was dead silent, and I was kind of surprised since it was the first match. But they did pick up towards the end, so I just don't know if the crowd just, you know, forgot to make noise or something. But, you know, it was sort of subdued at parts of it, and, you know, the match was fine. Um... You know, uh, there was one spot where, like, Leo Rush got knocked off the side of the ring and he landed on some guys sitting ringside. <laughs> and I don't know if it was meant to happen or if he just, like, effed up and, like, landed on some dude's ringside. But, you know, I don't know why those people would have been there. So I guess it must have been figured in. I don't know why that was something to do. But, you know, that made my notes. Uh, but, yeah. So... Leo Rush does end up going over and beating Drew Gulak, winning the 205, see I want to say 205, <laughs> the Cruiserweight Championship. And Drew goes in, tugs the belt away from him, just to hand it back to him as a sign of respect, kind of gives him a nod, says, you deserve this. And he had a lot of backstage heat, so it's nice to see that he's back within the company in a good light, and they're going to try to give him a good rub to for the fans to see that and kind of forget what they heard about the backstage rumors and stuff. And like I said, he actually put on a match that told a story because he used to wrestle like the two men, the two teams, I might add, that opened up AEW. We had the first round matchup of the Young Bucks versus Private Party in the tag tournament. And that's all I'll let you take over at that point. Well, I will say one last thing about Leo Rush. For all you internet marks out there, hashtag thank you, Kofi. 
<laughs> they piss you off by taking the belt off Kofi in such a violent and quick way. So, hey, you want a black guy? Here's a goddamn black guy for you. Get that Leo Rush out there. You want a title? Who's that guy from the 205 line? Oh, yeah, Drew Gorlock. You go drop that belt to that Negro over there. Now make him happy. Thank you, Leo. You can follow him on Brian the Bra- uh, Brian the Brain TX. TX on Twitter, and his profile picture is him. I don't want any backlash here. I am black. They can maybe still piss you off, but whatever. So I just just <laughs> had to just add that in. But AEW, so private party against the Young Bucks. Oh God, oh, there's too many gymnastics, and you know. I I guess this is the first time I've really paid attention to Private Party. I think I've seen them before, but I must have been distracted. They didn't hit my memory. So we saw them, I want to say, at the Fight for the Fallen. And they were ringside, and they had a nice little kind of skit and a little bit of a promo. And they're actually pretty solid as entertainers. But like you said, in the ring, it was all gymnastics. Well, see, when I first saw them, I thought to myself, this is like the Street Profits after too much of that smoke. And I mean like crack pipe smoke. But, you know, <laughs> that was like my first impression. I was like, okay, this is like an imitation of the Street Profits. Then two, as the match wore on, they were wrestling the same style, so I was like the Young Bucks against the Black Young Bucks. I just, it was flippy, flippy, gymnastics, gymnastics. They did a flip and a twist for no reason, just to run into a clothesline. So, look, and I'm not gonna say I'm an NXT bias, because I'm very critical with wrestling, and you know, everyone's been very critical of WWE, New Japan's booking as of late and stuff. They're, I'm trying to give AEW the benefit of the doubt, and I'm trying to watch the show. And I, we get into the show, and that's the opening match. Like, okay, let's see what we could do. And not even three minutes into the match, I became so frustrated and disinterested because there was no storytelling. It was just flips. And the flippy flippy spots had no meaning behind it. There was no shock value. And you would think that the Young Bucks being at least somewhat of a big name draw to open the show would deliver at least a quality match. I didn't find that to be quality. It was sloppy. I mean, there, there were moves they kind of missed and like, you know, all the flipping spots led to a collision and no, it doesn't look like it would hurt because they just bounce right back up and start running again. It's like, I don't know. Um, the crowd went kind of dead too. At one point, it was almost as silent as like the NXT crowd was in that point. I said they were kind of subdued. Then all of a sudden, I heard this squeal. And I thought, is that Vicky Guerrero? It was just like a tribute to Eddie because it was his birthday today. But like I heard that, Rah! I was like, Vicky? But no, uh, I don't know what the hell happened, but that kind of woke up the crowd. They did some more flips, and it got to the end of the match, which was a surprise. They had a, they had a solid finish. That's the first solid finish in an AEW match that I saw, because usually you get basically the, the big climax of the match. You get the hot tag. You get all of that, and you see spot, 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 finish, but then it's two or three false finishes, and then it's like a weird move that ends up the match. 
This was a solid one where they reversed the Meltzer driver, they caught him off guard, hit him with the move, rolled him up, one, two, three. So it was a solid finish, it made sense, it wasn't drawn, drawn on too long, the timing was fine. I actually liked how it ended. I, I really, really enjoyed how it ended. And we had the shock of Private Party beating the Young Bucks. And eliminating the Young Bucks from the tag title tournament. Because you would guess the Young Bucks, if they weren't going to win the inaugural AEW Tag Championship, you'd think they'd at least be in the final match and get screwed by somebody that would start a feud later. But, you know, to go out in the first round... It's almost as shocking as if my Astros lose tomorrow just to do a plug like I'm we're, like we're, WWE. We're not, we're, not, we're not sponsored by Fox. You ain't, you ain't got to do all that. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> but like if they get beat by Tampa Bay tomorrow, but, you know, it's a private party with the upset, you know. I will say this, though. Those tag belts for AEW are, are amazing looking. I haven't seen them. I so they're them. online. They've been posing for them. And, uh, there was even a picture of Jay and Silent Bob holding them after last week's Dynamite. Those belts are the best looking belts in that company, for sure. Landslide. And I would put them over the WWE tag titles. They look really, really good. Well, I think I already know, but who are you putting over in this uh, comparison between the Cruiserweight Championship on NXT or this uh, tag uh, title tournament so match? So, match one, I'm going NXT and Leo Rush. I'm putting them over. I'm doing the same. Uh... It just was way too much of the sloppy, flip-floppy stuff that I'd hate, so... And then we we transition into essentially two number one contendership matches, but one's already an established number one contender. But NXT has Rhea Ripley versus Aaliyah. And Aaliyah, I don't know who this girl is, but she has a great look. She has potential somewhere down the road. But when Ripley came out, you knew she was a star. She's big. She's intimidating. She looks great. She she looks like if she walked in the ring against one of your beloved main eventers that are women, that she would put them in fear. She has that same it factor that Charlotte Flair has. Uh, it's a steel line from Jim Cornette. When he sees Charlotte walk out, he's like, this is a star. The look, the height... The way she wears the clothes, the way she just looks at the crowd. You know, a star just walked out and business is about to pick up. Even if you've never watched wrestling before, you see her and you're like, oh, she's a big deal. I don't know who she is, but that one's something good. Rhea Ripley has that same cachet, so to speak, coming out. Yeah, and it was... It was a solid work match. Um, you could tell Leah was still relatively green. Um, she's been around for a while, but she looked really green. And maybe it was just the, the style clash. Because at the end of the match, you saw a fantastic spot. You saw a, like, inverted Texas cloverleaf turned into a Cesaro swing, which then dropped into a body scissors Texas cloverleaf, and then a submission. It was really one-sided. We really don't have much more of it other than you saw a powerhouse do her job. And maybe she was a little sloppy because, you know, I think someone, I'm assuming, I don't know how long she's been around, but she seems somewhat inexperienced. She probably needed someone with more experience beside her because I don't think, I think Aaliyah is just as inexperienced, if not more so. So you have, you know, you don't have anyone sort of leading it. 
So maybe that's why it was a little shaky. But <laughs> on the opposite side of the fence. Oh, okay. So we have a pure cut star talent. You understand why she will be a number one contender in Rhea Ripley, right? Well, we got confused. We saw the match and then realized it was for the number one contendership for Jericho's title. And on AEW, you had the 50-year-old emo kid who hasn't left junior high and probably still dating a 14-year-old chick in his mom's van. It's uncomfortable. And then you have the 16-year-old boy who's mad because he stole the 14-year-old girlfriend from him. The skateboarder Darby Allen who still paints like he's like the Great Pumpkin or something from Charlie Brown. <laughs> you have these two deathmatch wrestlers in a number one contendership match for a legitimate main event star like Chris Jericho in the most prestigious title in your company, and you have these two hokey gimmick wrestlers competing for the number one contender spot? Like, with all the other stars you have on AEW, why these two? I guess just because it's going to be a televised match and you need someone for Jericho to squash. But, like, I wrote down in my notes... There's a tag team wrestling each other. Because Jimmy Havoc and Darby Allen should really be a tag team. Because I see Jimmy Havoc as, like, Darby Allen in 20 years. Like, <laughs> like if Darby Allen keeps on dressing up, he's going to be Jimmy Havoc. It's like it's his older brother. Like, here, I'll show you how to do this, younger brother. And I noticed that uh, Alan's last name, I don't know if it was always spelled like this or if he changed it just because it's not Alan, A-L-L-E-N, it's A-L-L-I-N, like all in. Aha. Uh -huh. But, ugh. That blew my mind when we saw it. Like, I looked over and you looked over and I was like, does that say all in? Oh my, I get it. I totally get it now. And I was just, I was done. It's the stupidest little it, thing. It was sloppy because I guess since they couldn't do their usual, like, you know, get light tubes or whatever the fuck they do, ugh, it was sloppy. And then I wrote down, is this a bed and finger match? Because they just kept taking turns biting each other's fingers. I'm like, ugh. So, and you referenced it too, like, that's like Pete Dunne's thing, but that's like a, a, a moment of, like desperation or a moment of being tired and trying to wear down your opponent he used it every 30 seconds or so like that was like a rest hold for him yeah. biting the hand i was like what the hell is this and then they made like a weird weird sexual reference excalibur did on on commentary about bdsm and stuff and make sure your safe filter is on for google and it was atrocious uh, that match it couldn't have gotten over faster. I noticed that you know earlier Tony Schiavone would try to get Excalibur involved because there were times you could tell Jr. was struggling for content, and I don't think Tony's supposed to jump in there as the two guy. I think he's supposed to be the three. But then since Excalibur wasn't saying anything, Tony Schiavone would lead him. He's like, so Excalibur, tell us about blah blah blah. Like, hey, you're forgetting to talk, dude. So then Excalibur broke out with that. Then Tony didn't do that the whole rest of the show. <laughs> He's just like, sit there and shut the hell up. But uh, then, you know, the end of the match was kind of sloppy because, like, I guess it was like, 
uh, Darby Allen did this backwards trust fall. Like, you know, if you're like in like a bad, like uh, corporate training session, you have to trust your coworkers and the and fat secretary, the yeah, the fat secretary gets up on the stage and falls back and you're supposed to catch your big ass. <laughs> you know, and they trust you to catch them. I don't know what's going to happen. So he does this backwards fall and like I guess it's supposed to be sort of like a headbutt, but he kind of just totally hits Jimmy Havoc's arm, and that's enough to get the pen. I'm just I was over. It was it looked sloppy top to bottom, and yeah. just the presentation of the stars looked like shit. Again, their match was sponsored by Cracker Barrel, <laughs> which is garbage in and of itself. But so Darby Allen gets the win, and he faces Jericho next week for the AEW title. The importance of that match is there, but there's nothing of substance there. And that's when you realize when you have a star versus who you're trying to build as a star. I, eh. I think Jericho, though, can at least carry the match if Darby Allen just listens to him. You know, Jericho could probably get a good match out of a broom. Uh, the problem is you had a Jimmy Havoc against Darby Allen, and Neither one of those needs to lead a match, so it's just the blind leading the blind and retarded. So. <laughs> oh, yeah, so uh, Darby Allen wins. I'm actually going to go NXT wins round two, match two of the night. Uh, just because you have a legit star. You have a, le you have a legit star, and that finish was neat. You saw something unique, a submission swing that was like, and it looked like a giant was just caressing a baby with how that submission was. Like, everything about that finish was cool. And I know we're not talking promos because, you know, we don't want to compare all the promos. But, you know, uh, Rhea Ripley did get on the mic and, you know, do a good threatening promo about go going after the NXT Women's title. And her accent didn't get in the way and made it seem less threatening like a Becky Lynch. Like, I don't think Becky Lynch is good on the microphone. She's fantastic behind the keyboard, but she's awful on the microphone and her accent does no favors for her. Her, Rhea Ripley, her accent didn't get in the way. It actually made it sound more intimidating. Mm -hmm. I loved it. Um, then we go into match three, which I've noticed something too. We're, we're lining up these matches head on head based off position on the card. And... NXT got a lot of content this week, so we'll we'll discuss that later on. Uh, but match three, NXT versus AEW, we have Breezango versus the Forgotten Sons. But the Forgotten Sons did a cool little bait and switch where they beat down who was going out to the ring, or at least in Gorilla, it looks like, dragged them out on the ramp and walked in and took their spot. Great heel work, fantastic heel work to get you invested because you're like, wait. That's not the tag team. They beat them down, walk in. And, of course, the beloved baby faces coming in as village people, men at work, whatever. But Rizongo, uh got a, got a good, good ovation, too. The crowd got behind him instantly. Yeah, and, you know, I think, uh, you know, I was actually pleasantly surprised by Brizongo because they were always such a joke when they were on SmackDown. You couldn't take them seriously. They actually wrestled a good match. They didn't have all the, you know, they had the joke entrance kind of, but they really didn't keep that going through the match. They had the cheesy moves and things, but you know, you could they weren't joke wrestlers anymore. You could actually take them seriously as a tag team. Uh, you know, you could tell Forgotten Sons were the ones 
that were really, you know, getting the showcase and the push. But Brizango did their jobs well, and you know, they rest made, of a good match. Yeah, they made a, they made a, very very, promising, like impression of Forgotten Sons. Like Forgotten Sons have already been booked as like killers and destroyers, but they haven't really gotten the good rub because they've been facing other NXT teams. But kind of like a a, a been there done that. WWE kind of talent like Brizongo, they got the right rub and they won. They got a clean pinfall victory over him, uh, and it looked good. And again, Tyler Breeze continues to impress us each week just by himself. That he could be a guy that sneaks up on you and becomes like a legitimate mid card star on either. Uh, he could switch come this draft. He could be on Raw or SmackDown and be like a legitimate, you know, US. I see. Maybe not even win the title, but just float around there for a while. He, he's going to be promising, I think. He just keeps getting better since he went back to NXT. Any guess of how much he weighs? Uh, 210. Because I was going to say, if he was slim enough, if they were really wanting to push like the cruiserweights, he would be good in the cruiserweights, but he may be a little too big. Yeah, he's 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 bigger than it. Like, But, I mean, look at Finn Balor. Finn Balor's 195. And they're going to book him as a heavyweight. So, you know, it's whatever they decide. <laughs> but, so, uh, opposite, we have another tag match. But this tag match really made no sense to me. You had the newly crowned AEW Women's Champion, Rio, and her number one contendership opponent, uh, Britt Baker, as a tag team. And they're both overly babyface, like, clean cut white meat baby face and then you have I actually didn't pay attention to who they were wrestling all I got from that is it was Miss Swan and Paige <laughs> Japan <laughs> yeah I just wrote down Asian jobbers but as AEW is apt to do no matter who shows up they give them like a chance to put in all their shit so you have the new women's champion and the one number one contender struggling against two people that I think AEW's only featured in a women's battle royal. And the only note I got from it is that um, Mrs. Swan, because I forget like Kazuki or something, she I guess trained Rio. That was she was one of the trainers of Rio, and maybe that's the only backstory they had of it. But yeah, again, like. When you're a champion and you're the number one, you're the, you know, the 1A to the champion, why are you struggling? Like, why why do you have this 20-minute struggle? You should be able to to beat them. And if you're trying to build, oh, this was her teacher, blah, 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 well, then student beat the teacher. I'm the champion for the reason, for a reason. I, I'm, and then you start using moves that she taught you on her, you know, just stuff like that. But I didn't get it. I couldn't get behind it. Uh, it was kind of all over the place. Like, even the tags and the timing of the tags didn't make sense. There was a lot of outside-the-ring activity amongst each other. Like, like tags... Ooh, excuse me. Tags weren't even about to happen, and people were getting their legs sweeped out from under. And I was like, all right, well, what do you... I, I didn't... I, I couldn't grasp the match. And so, with a quick one, two, three, Rio and Baker win, uh, 20 minutes later, I said quick, but, you know, it... It was what it was. It was it was drawn out. I just made the comment, blah, 
drawn out. Why are they struggling against people that should be jobbers? Uh, yeah, yeah. And see, with the tag, you know, the the winners, Rio and Baker, good. They looked good, but I I felt like if you're trying to position anyone, you just put Britt Baker in a one-on-one match and squash, showcase her, and show why she's the number one contender and why she's really your star. Right. You know, but you didn't do that. You put your champion on TV two a week after winning the title, and then just have them compete in, in a useless match. I don't, I'm not a fan of that. I like the old school booking. You know, and you could uh, almost say that a way she could have got some heat with Rio, so you just don't have two white baby faces wrestling for no reason. You could have had Britt Baker beat Rio's mentor, and like Rio could have accompanied her mentor for her debut on American television, and she's proud of her mentor, and then Baker beats her mentor, and she's pissed about that. Like, how dare you take this moment for the woman that made me, and then she slaps her, and, you know, you get some heat. That, that just would have yeah. been better writing, but, you know. I, I agree. So, Brizongo, <laughs> Brian, you said it best. It's not every day you get to put Brizongo over, because they're, they're not good at getting over. Or yeah, being so. put over. But the Brizongo and Forgotten Sons, I gotta go NXT as going over on match three. And like I said, yeah, it's hard for me to put Breezango over for anything. But you know what tipped it over? Because, you know, I still maybe could have gone with, like, the Asian jobber match. But what sent it over is, once again, I know we're not talking promos, but some of our favorites were right after that real Baker win. They had a feature with best friends crowd was silent you could hear crickets you know they were watching some goofy video they weren't funny the crowd wasn't into it then they were like hey what do you think about your chances next week against uh scu and they're like i don't know why you ask him then the crowd popped and sitting there is orange cassidy pockets himself and he just does a half thumbs up not even moving the crowd pops and just because of that, Brizango and Forgotten Sons is going over. Yeah, there's because like, if there's any segment with Orange Cassidy and best friends, it loses. All I can say is I'm sorry. Trent Beretta is a legitimate star and has no business being in that tag team. Uh, but yeah, NXT wins. It. So NXT starting out hot, which is a much better comparison to last week. Last week, NXT had, what, one, maybe two matches, and they've already doubled their win total. <laughs> but, so, they're up 3 nothing, And right. then, the next matchup is solely in AEW's favor. Because the, the match that's next for AEW, I would have built the entire show around. You look at it on paper, and you're like, man, that's going to be really good. It's going to be solid. It's going to be promising and there's there's elements in which you can uh add to it um so for nxt though we had boa this small asian wrestler versus cameron grimes the old tag guy with the from tna i forgot i forgot his name and trevor lee or something or so, yeah, Trevor Lee, I guess he was his name in TNA, and it was Cam, 
Cam Grimes now, and he came out looking like one of the VOD villains. Actually, I thought he came out reminding me of a low-rent Jimmy Garvin. J Jimmy Garvin? Yeah. I was like, where's Precious? <laughs> <laughs> and that was a legitimate squash. Uh, it was, I want to say, a minute and 15, oh, because... You see Cameron Grimes with the roll-up, but then you see big-ass Damo, Killian Dane, just come rolling through here and just start killing Boa. And then Mauro Ronaldo with another Boa Constrictor. No, he said, Boa has been constructed. Oh, I love uh. Mauro. He is, a, he is a treasure to the announced teams of all of pro sports and wrestling. If you imagine, if you had Tony Romo with Mauro Ronaldo, he could predict... What Morrow's gonna say next? Yeah. Uh, and you know, I think this is how NXT squeezed more content in than AEW because they had this super fast match. So then you can have, you know, another legitimately length match. So they squeezed in a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, but on the opposite side, we had a squash match, but then. I look at it, and it's not even the main event, but it should be. You had um, the the TV debut of John Moxley versus the perfect chairman, <laughs> Sean Spears. And again, Sean Spears looks fantastic. He's presented awesome. He has uh, uh, Tully Blanchard in his in his corner at all times now. Uh, he has a badass nickname, the Chairman, because he swung chair on and knocked Cody's head clear off his shoulders. Everything about Sean Spears looks so good, but there is an inevitable thing with him that we've learned. And John Moxley, say what you want about Vince. Vince was a genius by putting some damn jeans on you, boy. Because those, I remember seeing you in New Japan during the G1 in those wrestling shorts. Those bike shorts, those are atrocious with your ugly little spoiled milk body. Like, <laughs> disgusting. And they also had a Pac or Pac? It's it's Pac, I think. I call him Pac. I think I've it's heard a, them say both, so I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna say Pac. I just it sounds cool. Yeah, it's Pac. So yeah, so Pac so, was on commentary, so I had a feeling that's gonna come into play at some point. So. And he is he. Uh, ever since he turned full-blown heel in WWE, that was the thing he needed. Because ever since then, he has not turned face, played the idea of being face. He's been consistently the same guy, no matter if his name is Neville or Pac or the man Gravity forgot. He has done such an awesome job with his heel work. And even on commentary, he's cutting great promos. He's talking about how... You know, he should be in the center of that ring, but he'll just sit here and chit-chat with people who are below him. And he does such a good job, and I, I'm looking forward to seeing what he does throughout his tenure with uh, AEW, because I feel that man is solid money. And seeing this proves where AEW may be going off track. I mean, maybe they're saving these for pay-per-views or later ratings, but any of the people involved with this match would have been better possible number one contenders to a Jericho, Sean Spears, Moxley, Pack, uh, you know, any of them, but, you know, we get Darby Allen uh, instead as a number one contender. So, you know, 
just things that are a little bit off. Uh, and, you know, maybe it's because they don't have a secondary belt for some of these other people. That's true. And as I'm looking at just my notes for the match, I don't have many notes for the match other than I remember when Moxley left WWE, he was talking about, I get to do all this stuff. I have all this creative freedom. They worked the same WWE-style match where they had their four-position moves. They got their crowd invested. They did moves that they wouldn't be able to do in WWE, but it was worked the same. There wasn't any element of difference there. Like, they, they, the only thing missing was Sean Spears didn't flash up a 10 at any point in time. That was maybe the only difference. But it looked like a normal Monday Night Raw match. But it was good. It was very good. I, I was very entertained, and I was drawn. I saw the two names, and I believe the two names for that company, for that company, could headline any show. It was a well-worked match. It was clean. You know, they had good spots for Tully to sort of try to get involved. He never really took a bump. So, you know, I mean, it, it was all the way a good match. I was entertained. Uh, you know, the end was a Moxley win, clean Moxley win. It was a clean, so it, 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 and this, oh, this goes back to the inevitable thing about Sean Spears. It doesn't matter if he's in WWE or AEW. The man's not winning matches. He's not being booked to, to win matches. And it's been that way since he was in NXT. It was that way when he was on SmackDown. It was that way when he got his ass whooped on his way to the Royal Rumble. And it follows him here. Maybe he should change his name to the Jinx. Yeah, like, I don't know. But John Moxley proved why, you know, he was the big acquisition. He looked good. He had the win. And Tully had the oh shit moment at the end. Like, you, you pinned him and it was clean. Like, there was nothing you could do about it. Yeah. And then you get, after the match, all the extra activities. And that's going to be a, a common thing with them. Is I'm already burnt out with AEW because they're literally just trying to get everybody fit into certain spots in the show. So everyone's on the camera right before it goes off. Um, but you had Kenny Omega come out and stare down him with a broom and a bat wrapped in barbed wire. Because he's a cleaner and Moxley is unsanctioned Mox violence or whatever. And then... Um, Pac, fantastic heel work, comes running off commentary with the steel chair and busts Kenny Omega in the back of the head, rolls it out, kind of just helps Moxley. Moxley looks at him, walks up the ramp, it's over. That whole segment's done. AEW gets their first win of the night over NXT because it, a squash match with two people I don't really know versus a guy who could main event a show for their company. Yeah, and mm. it, they had continuations with story too with the Kenny Omega and... Uh, Moxley from last week's beatdown. So that was good. That was easy for AEW for going over. I have AEW over too. I just, Omega, uh, he comes out, he's way too animated and artsy. And like, really, you're going to give. So he tossed the barbed wire bat towards Moxley to use as the weapon. And he was going to battle a barbed wire baseball bat with a barbed wire broom. Even if Just you, please. Even if you swing it, you realize the bat's heavier and has more velocity to it than a broom that actually slows down as you swing it with the, the little bristles in it. And then once your bristles hit the bat, 
the like barbed wire is just gonna scrape off and fall on the floor. Just, just go away, no. So that almost made me say no one went over, but you know, I have to give them the credit for the match. So yeah, they went over. Yeah. But, and I love uh, Pac's uh, chair to the back of Omega's head. That was yeah, it, it, was a, it was a stiff spot and it's, it's kind of like how he used the chair in a way like they used to hit him in the abdomen. Where they hit him in the midsection where they use the ends of the mm -hmm. chair and not the the flat seat mm -hmm. and he jammed it in the back of his head like that and it looked really cool it looked stiff but it, it wasn't it was protected um so aw gets their first match now i'm going to credit aew this opportunity because nxt had so much more content they had three extra matches, or they had two extra matches in comparison to uh, AEW's one. So the main event already happens, or is happening now with AEW, and I'm actually going to start off with that one this time. Mm -hmm. You had The Natural, um, Erectile Dysfunction, <laughs> Dustin Rhodes, and his For Him's partner, uh, uh, Old Town Hangman Page, <laughs> versus Sammy G., and the pain maker, Chris Jericho, your AEW champion. That meant was the main event of AEW. Okay, and and earlier in the night, Sammy G and Jericho uh, kind of addressed the fact that they made an alliance with a bunch of people and have a new faction, and I didn't quite get the name. You wrote it down. What was the name? Inner Circle. So they are going out as Inner Circle, and they were introduced, and when they won, they announced it as Inner Circle uh, won the the match and I know I just jumped ahead but we got a lot of content on the NXT side so Dustin Rhodes Hangman Page they did solid work Dustin carried a lot of the old school storytelling Hangman did a lot of the offense that got people involved and invested uh, Jericho does what he does best strategic uh, heel tactics which look good you had Jake Hager come out kind of run a little bit of an like a distraction. Sammy G was the young guy doing the, the spots here and there that people are like, ooh, ah. So everything about that match was put together strategically and it worked. It wasn't too much of one, too much of the other. It had a bit and piece of everything, which is what they're, what they're living by. And I thought it was great. And, you know, I think, you know, some of the notes I wrote down is that I noticed as Sammy G came out, he got rid of the cosplay panda outfit, so I guess uh, maybe he was listening to the Jim Cornette experience or listened to other people that might have said the same thing, that there's no explanation why do you have on this cosplay thing of a panda, no explanation, well he got rid of it. He just came out looking like a man that was good. Uh, you know, Dustin and Hangman, all I could think about were like the cowboy tag team and you know, just like the Dallas Cowboys, they lost. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, solid match. My flaw with this was after the match, ironically enough. And they did it two weeks in a row where, like I said, you're trying to get everyone on camera and everyone to be shown or showcased by the end of the show. And, like, you have a run-in where LAX and Jake Hager come in, and then you get a Cody with the lights off, and then you get a MJF appearance, and then you get the Young Bucks to come save, and it's just a freaking rumble mess 
that they've done two consecutive weeks and it's already ran tiresome. It's like the pull apart in WWE. Like the pull aparts don't mean anything anymore. It's sort of like when, uh, you know, um, WCW Nitro back in the day had the NWO at the end of the show run in and then here comes all the good guys and there's just a big, you know, everyone brawl and you're like, okay, it's the same thing again. We're going to brawl off. Tune in next week, folks. And it's like, blah. But uh, one thing that was interesting, MJF came in with the chair and you're like, okay, he's there to save Cody, but then he hesitates and you're like, oh, he's about to beat down Cody. And then he actually kind of saves Cody, but you don't think he's really into saving Cody. So they're building that story for a long time for him to eventually turn. And that's gonna be awesome because I said last week, and you agreed, that is your centerpiece for AEW. He's 23 years old, he has the gift of the gab, like he is promo magic. Everything about him is great. And see those subtle movements, and the best thing about it, and a lot of wrestlers don't get it, and it, we can talk about the Brock Lesnar, Cain Velasquez, because Cain Velasquez, no one really, really knows who that is, but the fact is you saw Brock seem scared, right? That made it important. Well, MJF did such a compelling job of looking confused, looking tense, and then super compassionate because his facials, facials are very, very important in pro wrestling. And a lot of people don't grasp that. And that's why I hate Kenny Omega because he's just overly animated that it doesn't tell the story. It's like you're making a joke out of it. Mm -hmm. But MJF at 23 were doing facials that veterans still try to learn to this day. And he did such a good job of it because you as a fan would look at it and you would look at him and his facials and you're like, oh shit. He's, he's conflicted. A, he's conflicted. He, he's, he's either going to knock Cody's head off or he's about to save him and, and get this massive baby face rub and then he has to somehow rebuild himself as a credible heel again. Because see, at the end, when like all the good guys were trying to give him a hug or whatever, he was like, get off of me. So you could still tell the yeah. heels there. And, you know, what would be really hilarious is like when that moment comes, it's actually Cody that beats the hell out of MJF. And he's like, what, you don't think I saw what you did? I don't think I heard what you said in all this time? I'm not stupid. You know, and something like that, that would have been, that would be great. So, you know, I gave them a free uh, option for, uh, you know, having some writing there. But anyway, um, so yeah, that, that you know, it was a good main event. I I want him to drop in one of the promos that he tries to kill Pharaoh. It's like, here, doggo, I heard dogs like chocolate. <laughs> but that tag match we just gave a good thing it had to go up against three matches it seemed like mm -hmm. so they went up against uh dollar store kofi and swerve scott isaiah swerve scott <laughs> versus roddy strong in a i guess a north what was it for the yeah, title it was for the north american for the north american championship. championship it was you know and swerve scott had never seen position on tv i've heard you know he's a pretty good athlete if you ask me i'm, I'm impressed with him but again it's Dollar Store Kofi. Everything about him, moveset and all, was very Kofi-esque. And, sorry dude, we, we have Kofi still around. There's no need for you at this point. Unless Brock killed him, I don't know. Yeah, unless we need like a, like a cover-up Kofi. Someone to come in as like replacement for a week. But, 
Roderick Strong had too much of a trouble with him, and you're the North American champion and stuff like that, and you had to have the whole faction come help you to beat this guy who we've never seen on TV before. So I wasn't a fan of that. It was too long. You had to get the distraction from Undisputed Era to beat, you know, Dollar Store Kofi. Yeah, yeah so, all right. So this is the two out of three falls match. This main event for AEW versus NXT is the two out of three falls match. <laughs> and that's what I'm going with because I just looked at it that way. And so AEW gets fall one and they beat Roderick Strong versus Swerve Scott. And, and, and you know, one quick thing. Mm -hmm. uh, I know we are not talking uh, promos, but then you had some Velveteen Dream. I know he's one of your favorites. He cut a promo. It was kind of funny. Where, like, I guess Roddy Strong had a picture of him with his belt covering up his junk on his Instagram, I guess it was. And then, you know, uh, Velveteen had the belt removed and showed, like, why you don't measure up and had, like, a teeny little dot covering up where his junk should be. And, you know, it was, it was, Com it was comical. It was and comical, then, yeah. And yeah. then you had uh, Ciampa come out. And uh, we accidentally got off air pretty quick, but Ciampa debuted, re-debuted, and got cleared to compete last week, uh, and that's how they closed out the show, and it was cool. This week, he comes out, cuts a promo, just saying, "Go!" all he said was, Goldie, Daddy's home, and everyone started chanting Daddy's home, so that was cool, mm -hmm. that was neat. That shows how you can have a great promo without a lot of words. Take notes, Triple H. Yeah. <laughs> so, and then you have uh, Dakota Kai versus Bianca Belair. Bianca Belair, um, she's been in the title picture before. And I remember Sam Roberts got heat for it because he spoke the truth. He goes, she has no business being in the title picture. She really doesn't. And you watch this match with uh, a returning beloved Dakota Kai and again she has no business trying to compete and she cut a promo saying she was gonna beat down Rhea Ripley sorry Jack you're not believable that stupid ass hair extension Django hair braid you got on that you whip people with that ain't fly just and and the match was relatively dragged out and Bianca Belair did get a clean win but I have no notes for it because I really just wanted that match to be over with See, I just said it was a showcase for Kai, actually. Bianca Belair took all the offense the whole match. She did a little bit, but she, you know, pulled out a win with her finisher. And, you know, she actually didn't use her hair, hair whip. I guess that's reserved for, like, takeovers or something. Oh, okay. Well, that, see, <laughs> I, I guess I just kind of tuned out, like, visibly tuned out, like, a tunnel vision. Because I was watching the TV. I wasn't paying attention to the detail, it looks like. But... Yeah, so Bianca Belair goes over, wins via pinfall, but two out of three falls, right? AEW got the second fall and wins the main event match. Before we even get to before, NXT's. Before, before we get to <laughs> NXT's main event match, which I, if this match was positioned better, they would have gotten a fall. Because I think NXT ended out the show better than AEW, because their legitimate main event match was Kushida versus Walter White. Walter White, ha. <laughs> Marty McFly versus Walter White. But uh, Kushida versus Walter. 
And it was just a, a match, and it was worked perfectly. You saw Kushida tell a great story, played the the David role to Walter's Goliath. It looked fantastic. Uh, it had its moments of being sloppy because you were trying to see how they can mesh with that size difference. But Walter is a freak athlete. He does a fantastic job of being a big guy, and he could sell. But one thing I like about it is he saves his big guy mentality for when he gets disrespected or pissed off and there was a second spot because he got slapped a couple times but there was one time where he straight up got slapped and you watch him snap because he starts ragdolling Kushida you see him suplex him and throw him around and toss him around and you just see that power go into work it's like he goes into Hulk mode and you know uh, this was a classic David versus Goliath match um Walter, I think he's another one that could use some costuming help because like his he's a big guy, but he's a little too flabby to be flabbing around the ring and he had band-aids on him like this is just gross. It's like a fat kid went for his flu shots. <laughs> <laughs> so so you know, put on some like a whole body outfit or something, suck it in. I don't need to see your flubber flabber and band-aids falling off you because I'm distracted by it. It's just gross. Put on some clothes, Walter. But good match, it had good pacing. Kushida got in his shed as like that little guy trying to chop down the much bigger guy. But you've seen that sort of big guy versus smaller guy match before. Nothing really went off the page from what you normally have in that type of match. So, you know, you gave them the fall, I guess. Uh, may I would have maybe said AEW1's all three falls. I know it's a two out of three falls match, so you don't even have to go to the third. Yeah. But, you know. I, I, I personally got Kushida and Walter. I just think the pacing and everything about it was perfectly done. And it ended really well. It wasn't there wasn't anything to build off of it though like AEW but I think that just the in-ring work alone goes to Walter and Kushida but again that fall doesn't happen in this two out of three fall main event so AEW got it but who won the night I got NXT winning the night overall I mean, NXT did win the night overall at least for me too you know and one last thing back over to AEW I guess they've decided not to do any push for Hangman Page because he loses all the damn time. He even took the pin in this match. Yep. Like, we have Dustin Rhodes who should be retired. He should be the one eating the pin here, but no. You, paying, you pin Hangman again. I don't get it. So, yeah, he must have pissed off somebody. Yeah, who knows. But NXT, AEW, Week 2... Of the Wednesday Night War, essentially. NXT has the upper hand. We'll see how ratings go. Because last week the ratings were uh, 1.4 mil for AW and, what, 986,000 or something? For NXT. For yeah. NXT. So, I mean, good numbers for AW. They broke their mark that they had set for themselves. And congratulations to them. I think the I think the ratings are still going to be about the same. But as far as the quality and the content, NXT won week two. I got I got that and and as Morrow quoted one of my all-time favorite rappers when you see NXT just remember all caps when you spell 
their name. We'll see you next Wednesday.